Hello everyone, welcome to the next episode of the Many Pakistans. Hello everybody. Hello Nino, how have you been? I am very well, Afan. How have you, you been? You look very happy with the verdict of Panama. Hi, Khudana Kare. Well, that's a very interesting. Five justices said that this prime minister is dishonest. Two wanted to send him home. You know, what is actually absolutely shocking is the analysis, or I would say the lack of analysis of those on television who have tried to create more friction and uh, fracture in terms of misinforming the public on the actual content of the verdict. It is 547 uh, pages, and I doubt everyone has either the time or the inclination to read it, but I would genuinely, genuinely beg those who have an opinion on it, please go and read it. It is a, it is a very long document, but it is also important to see all five justices in detail give their opinion and their so-called rational legal reasoning of why they arrived at their uh, conclusions and where there is actually 100% consensus amongst all five judges. There is a misconception that three judges went in one way and two judges went in another way, the majority view and the minority view. What people fail to uh, understand, and this I have to blame in terms of those who uh, share the so-called synopsis and the analysis, where they have contributed to this misguidance, is that at a fundamental level, all five justices agreed that the Prime Minister of Pakistan, uh, Mia Mohammad Nawaz Sharif, actually inadequately answered the questions that were posed to him by the bench and by the plaintiffs, which was, where did you get the money for your flats? And please explain adequately uh, where do you raise that money, where you have all these assets, and also explain to us adequately um, how you have reached this level of wealth um, which is reflected in the four flats as a symbol. Hmm. There are many auxiliary other issues that uh, were raised in the Panama, you know, the business, other businesses as well, their grandfather's business, their factories as well, etc. So all of those are uh, a subsection to the original question of how did you uh, acquire the four flats in Mayfair? And where did that money come from? These are very basic questions which all five justices said with consensus that you have not answered it. What is different between the justices, three, two, uh, three versus two, is that the consequences of not answering these questions over a period of almost uh, six months is that two of them said you should be... Uh, um, disqualified and uh, no longer be prime minister of this country. And the three justices basically said, we will not dismiss you, but please, uh, you know, uh, a further inquiry, more detailed inquiry through the joint investigation team should 
ensure that the answers are found. That oh. is the difference. So you explain it. So you explain it very clearly, and I'm glad. Like our listeners of the many Pakistan's. So many Pakistan's is uh, is many facets of Pakistan. So this is something which is hot in Pakistan. I wanted to share with you, and I think it's great that Nino has been sitting in the Supreme Court. Very very few citizen representatives were able to do that. And Nino has used that opportunity to raise awareness among citizens on what actually happened, and it's very interesting for us to know. And I trust her more than what I listen to the TV because I've seen the TV not telling me anything. Like I've I've listened to all these different channels, and if you're just a reasonable, logical person, and you have a basic rationality, you listen to all of them, and you're like. they're all going in circles there's nothing they want to tell the people they're just making things up you know what is problematic and i have said this on twitter uh, multiple times is that the role of the anchor is to ensure not to raise only questions but also address a misguided you know uh, misinformed uh, questions and answers adequately so you don't continue the fuzziness and the opaqueness for the end user the audience so when the anchor facilitates the obtuseness and the vagueness and also fixates on uh, a debate point which actually does not clarify fact or clarify a confusing issue i find they become a contributing factor to Uh, you know uh, keeping the public misinformed and it is unfortunate that very well known anchors uh continued this you know um so what will happen and like uh, rather than say uh, i'm sorry mr tarik fazal choudhry or uh, you know i'm sorry you know uh, maryam aurangzeb that is factually incorrect you know or imran khan asad umar naimul haq or faisal whoever from the pti side i don't think that is exactly what the verdict said so it's very very important that the role of the anchor he she has such an enormous power um, and influence on the audience that he she should be well versed in the facts of the case rather than continuing the polarization um on this issue i think what one of the things that the justices made very very clear in terms of consensus is that this is not a pti pmln issue this is a nawaz sharif private uh, finance uh, inquiry corruption uh, charge versus the people of pakistan it has nothing to do with pti and in fact the the majority judgment which requested a jit formation has not involved pti at all so from the very uh, from the very from the very beginning where this uh, question of the panama case was framed as a pti versus pmln has actually been bare, it has been shown to be a complete fallacy this is an issue of not the p- uh, political party pmln this is a corruption charge against a family one family 
called Nawaz Sharif father and his sons and his daughter and all the uh, relatives around Isaac Dar being one uh, Saftar his uh, son-in-law and all the facilitators this is not a targeting of the PMLN as a political party this is an inquiry about one family and this is not about PTI having to find uh, evidence against them this is about the responsibility and accountability to the people of Pakistan because this family has been in politics pretty much for 30 years. So have they abused their power while they're in office, while they amassed personal wealth? So on that note, I think like it's clear that it is about one family, one family which is very powerful and has happens to lead PMLN, which is the leading party. And uh, I think it is very interesting for you to, to, to sort of like separate these two. Um, and that's where the strength of, uh, of the other side lies, because when they, when they conflate, that's when they become strong, right? Because when, when this family's issue becomes PMLN issue, then suddenly it becomes stronger. But then what does that say about our, the democratic nature of a uh, you know so far the largest political party in this country i i'm sorry but i don't think the political parties are democratic in nature like do you think there if there's an election in pmln i could win and be the next party leader do you think you can win from pti and be the next party leader instead of imran khan that has not happened like that is something which we are working towards and i hope one day one day our polity is mature enough for us to have internal party elections and really have the fun that democrats and the republicans have although the, the outcome was horrible <laughs> but i mean like that's internal party election it's not there yet and i think i hope slowly with the, the advent of the local government and stuff we can move towards that anyways that said like i i think like in certain countries the sheer moral obligation of such a verdict would convince the prime minister to to resign and so there's two sides for asking the resignation one is that should we make him resign would that result in extreme instability in the country and are we ready for a resignation which would result in that are institutions ready for an early election the other question is if we do make him resign and then the election results is in are in his favor then again the question of sort of like uh, we went against the people's choice but uh, we upheld some sort of an agenda right which was an agenda of justice over peace or something like over accountability and then the question is that uh, Musharraf who was also a violator of article 6 and also a usurper of power and put the constitution in abeyance uh, did not even go through half the verdict of what a sitting popularly elected prime minister has to. So why do we keep on practicing selective justice and only put and drag our politicians through the um, through this whole uh, very very like rigorous process? While uh, there are other parties of uh, within this country of rule this country have not faced the courts this I way. I think you have asked very pertinent questions and they deserve very clear and crystal answers. To begin with, 
uh, a popularly elected prime minister, uh, and he is one, there's no doubt about that. Um, and uh, many, of course, uh, believe that the 2013 election was rigged. Um, now, until um, uh, that is pr uh, proven otherwise, and you know, there was a commission that sat and said that no, it was not rigged. So we have to take that as uh, on its face value. So yes, Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif was elected uh, with a large, very large popular mandate. But does that mean in a democratic process that he has carte blanche against accountability through his five years? No. And the, the Panama leaks um, is an indication of corruption of not five years. It is a endemic, systematic abuse of alleged abuse of power throughout his political career and possibly his father's uh, influence during uh, General Ziaul Haq's time. So the uh, Panama case and the implications of accountability of public office holders um, is a very, it goes to the heart of the issue of what do we mean by democratic process and what do we mean by accountability of those who are in a public office holders. Now in a country, as you very rightly pointed out, where an ex-army chief who usurped uh, power and uh, was uh, there was an attempt to actually bring him under accountability, under uh, both the pressure of our establishment and our military establishment, this very prime minister gave him reprieve. Now, because something so wrong happened, does it mean that he gets a pass? Does it? Does that mean he gets a pass? So my pro my problem with with this is not uh, person X or person Y. I I agree with you that both people are equally guilty and should not get a pass. My problem is that traditionally in this country, the politicians have been kept to a different standard of justice while the dictators have not. I don't disagree with that at all. But does that make one wrong right and one another wrong okay? Now this logic, uh, this very flawed logic um, continues the cycle of unaccountability. So in this particular case, we are talking specifically on the Panama case, right? We're not talking about Article 6 uh, against uh, General Musharraf. And in that very case, which was, I don't think it's dismissed, it's just that it went into abeyance because they let him off the country. So that is a, that is a, separate, that's a separate discussion and we can have that in detail. But on the Panama verdict or the Panama case, so uh, specifically, the issue is that um, has the prime minister adequately answered the asked questions? The answer is no. And your, the third question that you asked is that should the prime minister resign while the JIT, you know, uh, finishes its uh, further inquiry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, I mean, I I think only in Pakistan would we ask this question. <laughs> Anywhere else in the world, it's not a debate or discussion. You know, like yeah. where I mean. So let's be also honest about this. You know, like if you have been accused of something which is going to take 110 percent of your time because it affects directly your well-being, your power, your businesses, your reputation. Do you think you have the time and adequate 
uh, you know, resources to dedicate to governing, you know, a country of 200 million. Does it allow your political party, which spends almost half, if not more, of its time finding ways and means in defending you, is that the adequate response in terms of responsibility to us? So one thing which I want to point out to the listeners was that Nino very, very uh, cleverly brought the discussion back to the point. And this is what happens all the time in our media when we're talking about something and the other person takes it somewhere else. And I threw that as a googly towards <laughs> you. And this was an exact demonstration of what we were discussing before, that there's one issue and then we'll justify another issue and not talk about the first issue. And I'll give you another example. The obsession with the quote of the Godfather. Yeah. You know, the verdict opens up with a quote on the Godfather. And because we are a semi-literate society and people didn't bother reading the rest of the judgment, I would say for the last five days and continuing, everyone was focusing on, do you know who the Godfather is? What do you mean by the Godfather? Was there a dawn about the Godfather? Should we have discussed? You know, it was ridiculous because people had not even read. And these are politicians that never read Godfather. They had not seen the movies. And they have an opinion. No, and more importantly, I even heard two, three people saying that why didn't you open up the verdict with, you know, a a saying from the Quran or the Hadith or, you know, uh, something, you know, poetry. Why the Godfather? Hello? It's a a beautiful piece of literature. If it was relevant, it was relevant. It wasn't relevant. I mean, you know, so again, as you said, the, uh, the debate and discussion is constantly being diverted to something so people can have a train of thought which has absolutely nothing to do with the point, which is what does the verdict say, what does it imply, and where do we now go from here? So I think it is very clear that in, certain, in such circumstances, if we were in a different country, the Prime Minister will resign on moral grounds, right? Now, why should we always say, because we are in Pakistan, the exception to the moral ethical behavior should be the exception? Because, and this is something which I, I kind of like, I was thinking about it and I wrote something and I said, the challenge of our country is that there is no moral obligation anymore. We have lost morality and focus and f- and focus only on legality. Sadly, the legal isn't fully developed to cater to the situation either, leaving us with selective or no justice. A verdict of this sort often serves as a prerequisite for resign on moral grounds in some countries. You know, one of the, uh, uh, I mean, I throughout my uh, sittings in the Panama uh, sessions, I had great respect uh, um, of Justice Khosa, who le- led the bench. And he very, very clearly on at least two occasions, if my memory serves me right, talked about the nexus of um, law and justice. And the traditional view is, you know, the law focuses on uh, um, laws and it does not necessarily lead to justice. But he very clearly stated that in that, the spirit of the law is always towards, of course, serving justice. So, and I think he took that very seriously. Uh, Justice Khosa realized special circumstances brought this 
case to the Supreme Court. This is not where the this is not a case that the Supreme Court should have been listening to. He, amongst his colleagues of uh, the other four, recognizes and reminded us ad nauseum that th it isn't the appropriate uh, forum. It is not that they were trying to usurp, uh, you know, the jurisdiction of the lower courts and NAB and FIA and Parliament and, you know, all the relevant uh, um, institutions who should have uh, responded to an allegation of such a nature uh, at the, uh, uh, you know, appropriate time. And constantly they reminded us at every stage. They went back as so far as asking, what did the Foreign Office do when the first Panama leaks was published in an international forum? Did they make the inquiries and say how many Pakistani nationals were mentioned and, you know, like, did our tax authorities check? Was there any violation of tax law? Did they, they went step by step to ask the relevant institutions and say, did you actually, according to your mandate, respond accordingly, which had a uh, purview of your, uh, of your area? At every stage, we, knew, we recognized and they recognized the answer was no. In, in recognizing the complete breakdown of the appropriate mandated institution not functioning, they took cognizance. Mm. So, you know, to now at this stage say, you know, like, why, why the Supreme Court, it is not their jurisdiction, send it back to NAP, send it back to X, Y and Z. The reason why they took notice of it is that none of these institutions functioned. So why are we now looking at that all of a sudden there will be a miracle change? That same prime minister with the same heads of agencies under his same uh, tutelage is going to all of, us, all of a sudden start functioning. So you know what this is? This is just passing the buck, passing the buck till the situation goes away. And that's, that is what is detrimental to our country because... Nobody takes the decision because the one who takes the decision has to stand behind the decision. And that is where all the anger comes in, right? So it also begs to, to ask this question that why does the head of NAB, per se, not feel secure to take a decision? Is there some sort of like, like is he scared or is she scared? Uh, why does a lower court not feel empowered to take a decision? Why does the mayor not take a decision on a certain billboard? Like, who, what is, what is this, like, what is this economy of power in our country? Where yeah. is power being exercised? Is you know, it's, it's, a, it's a question that Justice Abzal, who is one of the three, you know, which uh, in the majority judgment actually directly asked uh, Chairman Nab and said, do you realize that even though you are appointed by uh, Nawaz Sharif, constitutionally you're protected he can't fire you so you actually have the agency and the power to do an independent inquiry if you so choose so he actually asked him why do you not choose to mm. exercise your right to inquire mm. so the question that you ask is not legal protection that is not available to these heads of agencies. They actually do. Some mm. of them do, not all. But they choose not to. So the many of the justices, in this case, um, uh, in the court, all five observed. There's no doubt about it. 
and uh, they also observed the same even in the verdict vis-a-vis NAB that he chooses to exercise an unethical action mm. he chooses now many of our uh, opinion makers who have written of which one of them i deeply respect babar satar has uh, written many a times about the moral breakdown of uh, uh, pakistanis at a very fundamental level you know how at almost every level of society um we look the other way and no longer feel ashamed hmm. and is it because of our education system is it because of the power dynamics that have emerged and evolved in the last 70 years is it the um what is the influence that uh, so many of us choose an unethical path and do not see it as unethical i i really don't know what's going on but i think like i also think it's a case of selective justice i think some people who look the other way are dead sure that there is no cost of looking the other way i also think that some people who suffer constantly suffer and this this idea of irresponsible elite is damaging our country but you know the question uh, uh, when you say there is no cost of looking the other way their uh, their um idea of cost is not uh, self respect honor and um uh, principled values or is it that their value system and principles do not know the difference between what is actually right and what is actually wrong that again it's a matter of selective principles right so i've seen people who i who everyone thinks is wrong justify themselves as right through their own twisted ideology and it's also because they just seclude themselves in that power circle where like the touts are telling them you're right and then the xyz is all telling so them they're right so in the islamic right. Repu- afan in the islamic republic of pakistan if islam which is a religion which is a moral code how is that influencing our behavior so that is we don't have islamic republic like even in the sense like if you say islamic republic of pakistan i think that just means islam is going to be used as a political tool in this country So Islam no, so where like, is the ethics Islam calls for humility Islam calls for trust integrity honesty morality do we see all that no we only are told that x y and z is islamic because x y and z benefits someone right so this is this is a conversation which is taking a very serious turn but i i mean like okay I would stand behind this country being Islamic Republic of Pakistan if it was like even 70% following the Islamic values and that for that I mean the leaders have the humility like the leaders have the the sense of responsibility of umar that if a dog is dying they'll take responsibility for it and give it water the leaders have the like the kind of like sense of justice which prophets are some advocated 
the sense of peace which he advocated through his treaties, the live and let live which they practice, like that is what I would want to go for if you call yourself Islamic. So, I mean, uh, you know, I'd like to leave, I mean, we always like to have some kind of a positive uh, ending note. And one of the most disappointing uh, elements of the verdict um, after reading it, you know, um, was that I had hoped that um, applying an ethical, you know, uh, um, value standard or a principal uh, value standard which was not just using um, uh, legal nuances and loopholes in the letter of the law in an Islamic Republic would have been used okay it isn't uh, the case so uh, that was disappointing because many of those who defend the uh, um, Prime Minister continuing uh, from a legal point of view, forget that this is also uh, a republic which uses religion as a principled uh, a value system in its law. Hmm. So when it actually comes to um, uh, law in this country, we are not following secular law. Hmm. So why are you not using a moral code in applying for uh, a legal judgment in the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. So, I mean, I also find it, I mean, I'm a, uh, I'm a secular uh, person. The, uh, I have to be very clear about that. But we live in an Islamic Republic of Pakistan. And so uh, the Panama verdict was looking at a corruption allegation. Five justices found he was lying. One, uh, two said, please disqualify him. Three said, please continue the inquiry further. Now, that's a, a very ethical judgment. Why are the people of Pakistan or a large number uh, of people of Pakistan haven't translated that as a dishonest uh, leader and it's, so, it's not okay? So, I mean, this begs to the question of like, how much of the values we are talking about are embedded all over. And we probably need to do another episode to deconstruct the value systems. And I, and I think like we also, so this is a completely different debate which we are going to go into and Jeez. discuss. And on that note, I think like I would want you to wrap it up for, for our listeners that if they were to do something, what would it be? And how would they make their voice heard in this mess? And uh, that's what our message from many Pakistans is today. I think it's very important that you vote. Um, I think it's also very important as a citizen of this country that you vote on ethical lines. Do not vote on Baradri lines. Do not vote on ethnic lines and do not vote on power lines. Now, I'm asking a lot from you, but if you want your children and your society to be safe, sane, and law-abiding, and just for you when you are at your most vulnerable, you need to make sure that your elected members reflect those value system. When we flout that, you are giving them a carte blanche that it's okay. So they will not support you when you are at, it, at your most vulnerable. So it is very, very important that Pakistanis state 
verbally and in action that it is not okay to have corrupt representatives of us because that means we are corrupt and i also want to add one thing that regardless of whatever we have said one thing is positive the supreme court is operational it's doing good job and to have one institution which is standing and doing a good job is a great thing and and that is that is a positive note may it has more power in future may it develops further and may other institutions of our country also develop i mean i i i mean i would slightly disagree with that because no country can function on one institution this is the same argument that we hear about the army you know um i have a different opinion on that but this is an argument that we make that oh but at least we have one institution that works but now uh, we have two <laughs> <laughs> yes but as a, as a democrat i i would really like my elected representative to be the one <laughs> we are getting there <laughs> anyways on that note goodbye khuda to hafiz. everyone khuda hafiz